Turn Up The Talk podcast, tackling mental health together. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Turn Up The Talk, here live from the Radio Hub studios in Alexandria, brought to you by the Clavelli Hotel. You're joined by Pat Clifton and the usual Lockie Drew Morris and Luca Moretti. Hey How going, boys? Yeah, good party, unreal, mate. You sure you're good? The way you walked in, you got chafed, don't you? Yeah, I got a bit of chafe, yeah. Give us the rundown, <laughs> Give us the rundown of pre-season. <laughs> well, I um, just finished week one, which was doozy. And then like, had last week, we went to, to Queenstown. Queenstown, that's with the Sydney Roosters? Yeah, that is with the Sydney Roosters, yeah. How was that? Yeah, look, Paddy, I'm not going to lie with you, mate. It was the worst two days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good, it was good, it was good. It was, um, tested me, but yeah, I look back on it now and I've, yeah. What'd they put you through? So I'll give you a quick rundown. Um, I thought we were going for a holiday. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, we got off the plane um, and that took us down to the lake, the lake in Queenstown. You know, there's snow-capped mountains, so it's not, you know, Cloverly Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They told us that the, the, the water doesn't get above 10 degrees. And anyway, after hearing that, they told us to get into our togs and jump in and capsize this boat, recapsize the boat and then swim back in. So that was the first 10 minutes of Queenstown for me. Would have been some serious shrinkage. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think, don't think he was there, eh? He wasn't too happy. <laughs> um, what happened? Yeah, yeah. So what the itinerary said, right? We've got this itinerary and what the itinerary said that we're doing a, um, a mule challenge with the, yeah, the, the mule they're called over in Queenstown. And um, they said we've got one mule challenge and then we'll have lunch and then go home, have some dinner and sleep in and then do a mule challenge the next day anyway so we got there and um we're doing we, do, we did the mule challenge and it was you know the climbing through mud climbing over walls trekking through um running sorry running through um lakes and stuff anyway did it in an hour got absolutely flogged and then we went back and had some lunch right we're talking about it everyone's muddy like everyone's got the, the clothes are f- like full of cow shit and mud right anyway he says to us, he goes, uh, so boys, um, you're with us for the next two, for the next two days. How exciting. Is he a nice man? Is he not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. <laughs> so, um, we started, so we started, we started tracking, um, maybe two o'clock. We finished, the, we finished the next day at about, about five. <laughs> In the Arvo? Yeah, the Arvo. Oh, yeah. And, um, Matter of fact, this is with a um a log as well. So we didn't so we didn't we didn't do this empty handed, we were actually carrying a log for half of it. I bet a forty kilo hands. log, which was the Mickey. So I bet you had to be home. Yeah. <laughs> Scarred from Queenstown. Who went? Was it like I think all the all the big boys are in LA, aren't they? I don't know where they yeah. are, but yeah, they're not they're not here. But it was yeah, it was just the, just younger boys, which was great. So, you know, I got to meet them, which is good. What about yourself, Jury? What have you been up to? <laughs> Yeah, not much, mate. Just a bit of stuff for this. Been talking to some sponsors, so hopefully we can come on board. Obviously, we've got the Clovelly Hotel, so that's great so far. But yeah, we're trying to get a bit more media attention and things like that. Hang on. How have we not mentioned it yet? Boys, our merch. Our merch. Our merch is finally here. Currently wearing the gear, so yeah, Yeah, it's pretty cool. Paddy, tell us a bit more about that. So we got a couple of t-shirts, black and white. It's got the, the tut on the front and then the big logo at the back. And we've got some black trucker hats. How they feel? Tell Unreal. Me. Unreal? Like something I've never felt before. 
Like skin tight. <laughs> Nothing's fit better. Yeah, but, but if if you want to get your hands on it, give us a DM and um we'll set it up. We got a we are reordering it and we've got a new batch coming in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully before Chrissy. Yeah, exactly. Perfect little present. Or non presents. or non for profit. So it doesn't go in our pockets, it's all yeah. for a good cause. So get exactly. around it and promote it. That's it. And what about did you see that they introduced the mobile cameras? Yeah, that first light. of December they roll out. So you're not allowed to... Yeah. If you're on your phone, you get done. It's five points and about 300. No, I think you lose your license fully. No, you don't. You I swear to you. You lose five points. You lose it fully. You don't. You lose five I'll points and $369. I'll bet you my license. Excuse me? You, look, you lose points. You lose five points. You lose your license. What? You don't lose your license, you man. You do. You lose five Look it up. Look points. it up. Look it up right now. But sorry to bring out on-air disputes. I've got a overdue fine if I don't pay it by the 6th of December. My license is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what was that for, Pat? Red light. Uh, they're a killer. Red light. They're a killer. They're a killer. I never mean to do it. Fuck, but people... Li- oh, I probably shouldn't say it. No, we might have to now. I'm better. Wow. At Easter time, double demerits. Ran through a red light. Yeah. Queen's Five Park. Dem- and, uh, oh, yeah. Ticket never came. Swear. Ticket never fucking... Yeah, I, that, ticket never came. That happened to me at, bon- at Maruba Junction. Did it actually? Red light camera. Oh, mate. Oh, <laughs> that would have lost, tw- lost 12 points. That? Like a $600 so fine. Mine was... Easter was with um, Anzac Day this year, right? Like heaps close. Yeah. So there was like two weeks of double demerits and there was one Tuesday where it wasn't double demerits. So I got done at 11.50 coming Ooh. home from work. Lucky. Wait, five demerit points and $344 fine. How do they know if you're on your phone or not, But Like full detects it full with the camera. Full it with the camera. What's that to be? Like you have to Radar imaging, heat imaging. <laughs> I think they take a photo of every car. No way, mate. You reckon? How day, would they do it? Things to hate. <laughs> You're the last person I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bringing it back in We are a mental health podcast So content on this episode may be triggering for some So if you're not feeling up to it today Hit pause, come back another day We're not going anywhere Today we're joined by a very special lady Who is the CEO and founder of the Inner Ninja Foundation Her name's Steph Kemenidi Steph, thanks for joining us No worries, how are we all? Very well, thanks very well. Yourself? Very well. Good, thanks. What did you get up to today? Um, I actually had a speaking engagement at a engineering conference. Right. So How was that? It was pretty cool. I thought it'd be a bit dry, but um, it was it was better than I expected. Can you explain what that is? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's um, a bunch of engineers um, who are wanting to learn more about mental health in the workplace um so there was a little bit of a conference held so that they could get uh more knowledge on what it would look like for an employee who is living with mental illness but hasn't expressed that to them and then also there's a bunch of like employees there to get resources on how to help sounds interesting pat you actually were doing engineering at uni weren't you (laughs) you didn't quite quite make it that far (laughs) (laughs) On a more serious note, you're the CEO and the founder of the Inner Ninja Foundation, which I'm guessing, was that talked through that today or? Yep. So that was talked about today. Um, Yeah. So we're a mental wellness and suicide prevention charity. Um, and we everything we do, we provide for free to the community and usually at the most at risk areas um, throughout WA. So the areas where we provide our free counselling to youth and our free women's support groups, there's such high suicide rates. So we're really grateful to be working with those community members to help um, change that narrative. So tell us a bit about why you started this foundation. So I have a lived experience of surviving my own suicide attempt 
and I've lived with mental illness all my life. So I live with uh, depression, anxiety and OCD. And uh, in 2013, it resulted in me attempting to take my life, which um, I ended up in a psych ward for three months. And in that time is where I realised I had um, an inner ninja within me and that all we ever need is within us. But you just have to have that self-belief and that self-worth to be healthy, really, yeah, and course. to choose to live. So we also read up about you and you've had a few friends that you were lost through suicide. Yes. Did that come into it? making the foundation yep so my first friend i lost was a close friend trent when i was 16 years old and that was horrific um and at the time there was no support provided by our schools basically it happened on the weekend just after our year 12 school ball went to school on monday we were told we could go home early if we needed the monday and then that was it it was as if he'd never existed and life was just to go on um, but that profoundly affected all of us um significantly and then for me at that time, I remember thinking, why do kids have to go through this? And sadly, uh, it's still happening today. Um, kids have to wait too long to get the help that they need. Um, and my friend Trent was on a waiting list for three weeks and he never made it. So that's why I'd, I've specifically designed our In the Ninja Me program for the youth because I didn't want kids to go through that. And then later in life, I lost a further three. Um, and they've all been men. Wow. Jeez. Did you... um? Did you know that they were going through some stuff or were they, did they talk to anyone about it? No. So actually in, in for, for my first friend, Trent, we actually thought he was doing really well. Like he had suffered with depression before and um, would misuse drugs and things and was a little bit of a partier and the life of the party and we just thought he'd settled down and everything was fine. Like I just, you wouldn't have known, you wouldn't have picked it. Same with the, with the other three friends, I didn't know, but... If I had the skills I've got now, I would know. But um, back then, it just was blown away. Of course. So what are those skills? Like how can you identify when someone is going through tough times? I think it's just like when they really aren't themselves. So like if they are like the outgoing partier or, um, you know, they're usually texting you first or they're always the person who wants to come out and stuff and then all of a sudden they go quiet and then withdrawn. Like that's it could could just be them just wanting to chill, but it's probably a sign that something's a little bit off. So it's good to check in. And then just weird comments, like if they start to say different things and start to isolate themselves or if they start to give away their favourite belongings that you know that they treasure and they usually wouldn't that's a big warning sign and then also just like once they start not doing things they enjoy like say if they have a hobby or a sport or something that they always do and you know that that's significant to them and then they've just abruptly stopped that's a big sign too leading up to your suicide attempt were you open in the fact that you had mental health issues or did you kind of bottle it up and keep it to yourself no, I was completely hidden. For me, it was a big, dirty secret. Mm. I didn't want anyone to know. I was worried that it would affect my position at work. I was worried that it would bring shame to my family. And I already had this underlying belief that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't lovable, and that I was worthless. So then I thought if I told people that, then they really would believe it. So I was just trying to um, save face that whole time. So sort of blindsided my loved ones when I try to take my life yeah and just touching on what pat said sorry if you don't mind me asking when your yeah. mate trent took his life and when you were about to attempt your life 
where was your headspace in kind of both of them? Because I'm sure that when Trent took his life, you were thinking, why did he do it? You know what yeah. I mean? But then when you were about to take your life, what like almost why didn't you think that and why wasn't your headspace like that? Yeah. So I remember when I found out about Trent, I thought – and so I was undiagnosed for many years. So my first thought of a depressive thought or having that kind of brain was from eight years old. Right. So when I first thought that, I actually thought – wow, I feel a little bit relieved for him that he doesn't yeah. have to keep going. And that's a really bad sign. Mm. Like someone should have picked up on it at that time, but the support wasn't there. So yeah. that just sort of like led to self-harm and um, risky behaviours until I was 18. And then when I tried to take my life, I didn't I didn't even think about that. I just thought I need this pain to end and I, I didn't know how I would get through the next second. Like it was just down to seconds and I had no idea how I could get through it. You spoke yeah. about those feelings before that you had and with the inner ninja, you've got self-awareness, self-acceptance and kindness. Can you yeah. run us through those three and why you've identified those three as maybe helping people through tough times? Yeah. So some someone who's really close to me told me once that acceptance doesn't mean giving up. And I used to resist the fact that I had a diagnosis or a label and really try to show everyone the opposite, like that I wasn't depressed, I wasn't uh, anxious and I didn't have OCD because I thought that if I accepted it, it would be me being weak and that it's giving up. But once you accept it, it no longer has that power over you. It can't define my actions. I'm not defined by that illness. It just happens to be a trait of my personality, but I can manage it and I can overcome it if I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing to stay well. It's almost the beginning, accepting it. It's almost the beginning of that journey rather than the end. Yeah, exactly. And I think that people view it as the end result and then you just accept that you have mental illness and then that's it. Don't worry about it. But it's actually the first step. Yeah. And you, you touch a lot on support. You keep saying the word support. How important after that suicide attempt to you were the people around you? Um, it was critical because my depression lies to me. So I still, even now with having my formal education, having all the tools, doing the work that I do, it can still convince me that no one cares. It still has the power to do that over me. Mm. And the supports are so crucial because they know that that can happen. So if I'm resisting like support or um, like they're trying to get me to open up or they're asking me if I'm okay and they can see that I'm just shutting it off or blocking it out, they'll know that's that's a red flag for me. So when, when you, for people listening who haven't yet spoken out, they don't know how to, they're, they're going through those kind of thoughts of no one cares, why does it matter? Do you have a bit of advice as to how to not build up the courage, but have that conversation with someone that needs to be had? How to make the first step. It can be as simple as just saying to like your best mate, because usually, you, I mean, unless you're really close to your parents, you usually end up going to your best mates yeah, or yeah. And like a distant relative, like not your mum and dad or sister yeah. or brother, like it's always someone else. And just, just by saying, hey, I'm feeling a bit weird. And then that, that one sentence will open up the the person will say, well, what do you mean by that? Mm. And then they say, my head feels funny or my thoughts aren't right. right. And then you don't have to give any more information than that. Mm. Like 
that's already opening up the door and letting them know something's not right yeah, for them. Yeah. And just for the listeners listening, just touching on what Pat said again, when you were going through that, when you tried to take your life, uh, you said you were isolated and you kind of kept to yourself. For yeah. those people who are feeling like you're feeling right now, how much was a relief for you kind of telling someone or even knowing that you have people around that are there are there to talk to you? I, the rela- it's, it's almost indescribable because it was like I was giving them the control of the illness, like yeah. the, like yeah. the illness yeah. had complete control of my brain and then it just felt like I had a break, like, cool, I don't have to look after me right now. I don't have to worry about staying alive because these people have got me. Yeah. Touching back on the like the psych ward, if you feel comfortable, can you run us through what that experience was like? Obviously, you yeah. know, you've just gone through the trauma of a suicide attempt and then you've been put in a psych ward. What does that do to people and how yeah. can people recover from that? I was really lucky that I went to a private facility and it happened to be a good one here in Perth. So in regards to um, what could have happened, I was lucky in the sense that I got um, very um, innovative treatment where they weren't pro-meds. So I wasn't like a dosed up zombie, which right. had often <laughs> happened. Yeah. And yeah, I wasn't in like a straight jacket or anything like that. So that was, um, that was helpful. Um, and then, but, but what it did do is it was really scary because I knew that if I told the nurses, and this is the sad thing, is that when you're feeling suicidal in those places, sometimes people feel suicidal, but they don't have suicidal intent. So for me, when I felt suicidal, it's actually um, one thing that I can control. So it would help manage my anxiety. As weird as that sounds, it's, it was soothing to me. But if I had told a nurse that, they would have then got an ambulance and shipped me straight to Greylands, which is where you would have been a zombie and locked up and really yeah, not right. so it it was a little bit of a double-edged sword because i couldn't get the adequate help i needed because they didn't understand suicidal ideation too well back then um i was just lucky that i then found a really great psych who had a lived experience and that was the turning point for me with my medical professions professionals that helped so you come out of the psych ward what's yeah. life like how do you how did were you scared yep because in the psych ward i had a routine someone woke me up at eight o'clock someone made me snacks lunch dinner bedtime um it's just like being a kid again i had no responsibilities really i just had to worry about turning up to therapy and group and then the next second i'm at i'm back at home i um went through a divorce i had to sell my house i had to live back with my parents and then I also had to deal with the consequences of my family not trusting that I'd be okay. So when I went out, like they would panic, like, is she coming back or what's going on? So you ha- then you have to deal with all those dynamics as well. So it was, it was a bit scary and it was a bit hard and you end up romanticising the time that you were away because it, it's a real break. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah. like someone's giving you your meds, someone's giving you food. Like it was a, a little bit of a break in that sense. So it was a... It's hard to adjust after a psych stay. If you think back to before that whole experience and you're saying you're bottling it up, you were scared what people would think of you if you spoke out, you were scared you'd lose, you'd lose your job. After it yep. all happened, did those thoughts become a reality? Was it what you expected or was it quite the opposite? 
unfortunately for some, I lost a, I lost a few friends from it um, that they just couldn't understand why I do something like that or why I behave that way. And then a, and a lot of people felt betrayal that I didn't go to them. So, and, and, and at that point, I didn't have the emotional capacity to soothe them and let them know that it's not got anything wrong with them. It's just, I need to try to keep alive. So I didn't reach out to, yeah. to anyone. Like, you know, I just did what I had to do to survive. But then on the other hand, I met amazing people who want to see me recover and help me recover. And so that was good as well. Awesome. So now you're on to uh, some pretty big things. You've been around the world speaking. You're uh, on the expert advisory panel for the Prime Minister's advisor for suicide prevention. Can you talk us through all that stuff going on? Sounds pretty yeah. exciting. That's pretty cool. Actually, I still sounds weird when you say that to me, um, that you're talking <laughs> about me doing that. Um, that's awesome. So I've been recognised as an expert in lived experience and um, there's a national suicide crisis at the moment in the country. So the Prime Minister has to, um, he's been made to do a call to action. So he's selected a group of expert advisors within the field through lived experience right through to researchers and then we report directly to his suicide prevention um, minister, Christine Morgan, which is really cool to get the voice of lived experience and, and actual tangible things from the community to the round table. Do you think the stigma is changing around mental health? I think that it is it, to a certain extent, but we've got so much work to do because mm. even now me as a mental health advocate or face of a charity, I know that, um, well, I feel that people expect me to be well all the time. Like they forget that I still yeah, have yeah, yeah. mental health issues. So, so for me now... I get a little bit scared to say, oh, actually, my brain's playing up a little bit. Mm. I need some time. And I find myself still saying yes to everything because that's the expectation yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. And I perfect perfectionism. So it, in that regard, when you're in the professional sense, I don't think it's changed much at all. But in a general community sense, I think it has in regards to awareness. But obviously, we've got so much more to, to go because otherwise no one would take their life. Yeah, exactly. What do you think the steps are? What do you think a couple easy steps are for the community that we can take that can help yeah. big picture? Organising like just casual catch-ups, like if you go to the pub or the park or a barbie, it doesn't have to be a formal event that you have to go to. It doesn't have to be an are you okay day. It doesn't have to be a gala ball. You guys can just organise to catch up and chat. Honest human connection, I think, would be your first step. And don't hesitate to text your friend. Like if you, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I haven't heard from him for a while, I'll text him like later and then you never do. Text him like when you first think of it. Or, or don't text and just ring them. No one rings anyone anymore. I think that real connection is what we need. And as humans, fundamentally, it, it is a physical need that we need. Some people so. get annoyed when you ring as well. Like, well, why can't you just text me? And you're just like, why can't you just answer? <laughs> annoys yeah. me. Lockie never answers my calls anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think my number's blocked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got the same couple of friends won't answer mine either. <laughs> With building support networks, for yeah. people listening that feel like they don't have that best friend or that someone to lean on, how do you go about finding that? So there's some cool apps online now. So um, and there's like Lifeline's launched an online chat app. Um, Beyond Blue have one as well. And there's a couple of different ones that you can find in online forums that also like the bigger organisations have, where you can link up with people that way. 
you don't need a best friend to have to have support. So you can link in with these great networks or these great grassroots charities that will be the connection. Like you don't need to have the the tick the box yeah. best friend, the sister, the mum and the dad. Like you can mm. be the supports can be whatever you want. Do you think that was critical just going back to your experiences you spoke about how you lost a couple of friends and it was interesting how you said that um that's there so you sort of alluded to that it was their loss do you, is that important recognizing that pe- people who aren't there for you and they don't invest energy into that yes like so i think you know those relationships in your life that you're putting in more effort or you feel like you're always ringing first or asking to catch up and you can feel it you leave those those experiences thinking i don't think they like i don't think it's reciprocated so in the end when you're well i can now recognize it's the best thing that ever happened to me because i don't want them in my life anyway but at the time when you're still feeling really vulnerable and um you're getting well it can sort of feel like it's our own fault like we've done something wrong but it's actually on them it's not our story it's not on us but that can be hard to feel that um at the time so as you saw, we put on our story a couple of days ago, a fan question, fan yeah. question, sorry. And one that we really liked was what does a change culture around mental health look like to you? A change culture around mental health look like for me? That is a great question. I reckon it would look like the fact that we wouldn't be talking about mental health as a taboo issue or a issue that still has stigma surrounding it. I think it would just be as a simple, oh, you went to the doctor to get your, your back checked. You went to the chiro because you had a physio. It'd be the same exactly. type of thing. Like, mm. oh, your thoughts are playing up. Oh, cool. Did you see your psych? So normal. It would just be the norm. Yeah. Um, that's what it would look like for me. When we spoke last week, Steph, you mentioned the 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 stat, the statistic that said that yep. girls actually have more suicide attempts yes. than men, and I that was staggering for me and something that I really couldn't wrap my head around because it's all about how you know we need men. Like, no, yes, women do go through it, but the alarming statistics were with men. Can you talk us through that? And yep. like for people, I think a lot of people would not know that exactly, and a lot of people aren't aware of it because there's so many. Um, programs and campaigns for men and men's health which is fantastic and we need that Mm. but what's alarming is is if everyone continues to ignore the stats of women's suicide attempt rates which have increased over the last 10 years what will happen in the next round of 10 years is we women will almost surpass their male counterparts and they will have the higher suicide rates almost or at least match so that's really scary. Mm. And the fact that there's no attention on it is crazy, but that's why at Inner Ninja we provide our free women's support groups because we recognise that need. might help that I'm a woman going through it so I can feel that the difference as well. And I think people just assume that because women are women, we usually speak lots, that we talk about our feelings, but yeah. often it's us being the listener or mm. being the soother. Mm. We don't really get a chance to actually say what's going on for us touching on being the listener yeah for people on the other end of that conversation someone's say for example someone's come up to me and said look mate we've got to have a chat i'm not feeling the best how do i handle that situation if i don't have a solution for that person yep you can say that say hey i'm so thank you for sharing that with me i feel honored that you've told me i don't have the answers but what i do know is i'm going to walk 
alongside you through this journey. Yeah. How about we call you GP? How about we tell your mum or whoever? Yeah, right. It's okay to admit that you don't have the answers. Because I know for me, even when I'm having an episode now, like I don't want people to have the answers for me. I just want them to listen. Yeah, and then yeah. I just feel like vent it out. And then I just feel like, oh, okay, cool. It's passed. Like a weight off your shoulders almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't need people to have the answers. And it's almost annoying when people try to give you a solution or yeah. fix it. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's what people get mixed up, that people try to find an answer and they ended up just... Blubbing. blubbing yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That yeah. I think... And yeah, yeah, that's dangerous. Mm, I, I, God, no, no, go on, Drew. <laughs> Haven't let me talk for an hour. You won't answer my calls. I was cutting this off. Yeah, I was waiting for you to get to no, the no, point. Let's no, talk right. two hours. Uh, do you do a lot of stuff with the mines? Do you um, do I much? Got, I haven't done much in the mines uh, at this stage, but uh, twenty twenty, it's looking that way. And after the conference I've had today, there's a need for it. Mm, yeah. um, so I think that potentially in an injury will start to branch out to those areas but we will be going more regional um because as i mentioned to you lucky when we were on the phone the other week we had six suicides in our wheat belt within a two-week period from people aged 17 to 91 that's crazy. That just crazy in our farming community so i think in march we'll be heading out to do a few talks in towns and see how we can help it's unreal such a big issue the, for the farming at the moment you mean to picture what they're going through is just crazy. Yeah, and it's it's really sad. Like, it's just it's horrific that people's only option is suicide, or they feel like mm. it's their only option is suicide. Yeah. yeah, we got another fan question actually, Steph. It was a pretty basic one this time though. It was like, what what are three key tips to maintaining a healthy lifestyle in terms of balancing work, friends? So, um, everyone, most people have an iPhone. And I highly recommend uh, a lockout of your social media apps after a certain time at night. Yeah. Uh, whether you whether you follow only positive things or things that you think are inspiring or enlightening, you still negatively our brains still negatively compare what's happening, even when we're reading those positive quotes. You can still mm. feel good, but subconsciously it's still a negative effect. And, and there's studies to prove that. So I always recommend a social media lockout at a certain time. So like 8.30 or 8 p.m., you're locked out until the next day, like whatever time you start. Because that can be quite toxic. Yeah. Um, then I would, uh, my other little tip would be to learn to say no. You don't have to go to every single event that your friends are doing. Or if you've gone out the Friday night and then your friends are pressuring you to go out Saturday and Sunday, but you really don't want to, you'd rather just chill at home and relax. Listen to your body. Say no and listen to what you truly want to do. And the third one would be to move, just like do like even 20 minutes of, of exercise, a walk or mm. Pilates, anything, but it, move, move your body. You touched on social media and for, thing, for, for us and for you, social media has been crazy to get, yes. to get us out there, to, to promote what we're trying to get out there. Yes. On the flip side of that, it can be quite toxic. Yes. And with the growing suicide rates, do you think that is, has a big relation to social media? Yeah, 100% because you can you can have like, you know, 5,000 friends, right? But then essentially really they're not really friends. They're just people online which can then will make you feel disconnected, right? Because you're not connected to those 5,000 people. Mm. If you had real tangible connection with those people, you'd be feeling okay. But it can actually make you feel worse and then you're just comparing. It's the comparison 
Like, so, so you never get the chance to just be content with what's going on for you in your life. You're always like striving for the next goal. You can never just enjoy what you're doing at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's touching when you said before, um, when you said almost forcing yourself to go out. I know that I've, I've had an experience where I'm really not feeling okay. But yet my mates are like, nah, nah, like, come on, like you're coming out for sure. And I force myself to go out and then I'm feeling good, feeling good, you know, having a drink. And at the end of the night, it all hits me and then, you know, I'm a mess. Yeah. Almost wish that I hadn't gone out. Yeah. Yeah. That would be made worse because alcohol is exactly. a depressant. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you've set yourself up for disaster already. Exactly. But it's, so, yeah, it's, it's hard, for, especially for people listening, I'm sure they understand as well. It's so hard because you feel like that, no, 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 like I'm all right, I'm all right. Instead of being honest with yourself and going like, look, you're not all right have an idea and you know take care of yourself instead of going you know what you know i'm fine like i'll go out yeah and i think that's where it where it is harder for men that toxic masculinity yeah yeah. i feel like that really comes into play at those Mm. moments whereas if a girl was like no i'm gonna have a night in and do a face mask and Mm. watch a movie everyone's like oh wow what a beautiful yeah cool (laughs) but if you guys say it they'll be like no like you're fine come on have a beer yeah come out yeah (laughs) yeah so i feel like there, there's a big difference for when men aren't okay and they want to stay home that your mates won't give you that break and i feel like it's also when you're not feeling that good and you just want to feel normal and go back to your normal lifestyle you're almost like well my normal lifestyle was going out on a saturday yeah, night exactly. and having a beer yeah, yeah. so if i'm not doing that then back to that acceptance thing then i'm accepting the fact that it's taking not taking over my life but taking control and I feel yeah. like some people go, you know what? I used to go out every weekend, so I'm going to do that to try to put myself back in that normal routine. But like mm. you said, yeah. that next week's just a shit fight because you've had it's, such a big weekend. Exactly. But you can still make Saturday night going out your routine, but it can be different. Like I'm going to go out for a nice meal and yeah. have one drink. If you need a drink, like, I need one drink and a nice meal laughing with mates. Or I'm going to go to a new comedy show or I'm going to yeah, check yeah, out yeah. a new food truck or I'm going to go to this movie and you can still go out on a Saturday night but just not clubbing yeah 100% or getting you know shit faced yeah (laughs) exactly Exactly. what about for yourself with the Inner Ninja what do you got coming up we actually have our gala coming up in two weeks on Friday the 13th that's our biggest fundraising event that funds our whole year ahead um, and lets us do the free counselling free groups and everything for the community Um, We're completely funded by the community. We don't get any government grants or anything. So we're really reliant on that. And then we have our VIP event with Daniel Ricciardo and a couple of other local celebrities um, on the 19th. That'd be really cool too. Are they all in Perth? Yeah, we'll be all in Perth. Um, Our ball's the 13th and the VIP event is the 19th. And that's you'll find up to date with the social medias? Yep, so you can find it all over our any platform on social media and our website and the ticket links are there as well. Awesome. For, for our listeners, what is your social media? At the Inner Ninja FO is our handle. Sweet. Awesome. Sweet. I think that'll wrap us up. I think we've we've covered everything we wanted to. Unless yeah. you wanna you wanna say right. anything yeah, else? Drew's talked for about yeah. two hours. <laughs> How made anyone else talk? Did you Drew? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much. We'll definitely be in touch. We'd like, yeah, we, we love what you're doing. Thank uh, you. Thank it, you. It, it, I love it, what you guys are doing and um, thanks for having me on. It's, oh, it's a pleasure. It was awesome. Good luck with everything with the Inner Ninja and have a good Christmas and New Year.
Yeah, you too, guys. See you later. Thank you very much. Yeah. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.